Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 672. Science Faction, let's look at our old relatives. I want everybody to know that right now when he says hello and welcome to Science Faction, the welcome, uh, the come part is spelled C-U-M. That lets people know right off the bat that, yeah, we're a science podcast, but we're also a semen-based podcast. Also, I come in every well that I see. Like, if I see an open pit well, that's why, God help you, if if baby Jessica falls down a well and then I see the well, because guess what's happening to her? That's actually why the uh, Timothys were kicked out of Ireland way back in the day. (laughs) Timothy actually is a Gaelic for well-comer. Yes, yeah, and, and sometimes it gets mistranslated, like, oh, you guys come well? No, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean we do. Yes, I don't. I don't mean to brag, but we do. But that's... I filled up a well or two in my time. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> listen, you couldn't do what we do if you came poorly. Let me put it that way. Like it's kind of a prerequisite. It's like the price of admission. And speaking of the welcomer of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me is a man who's never filled up a water conveyance with his own semen, none other than our comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I've regularly come all over the place, but yeah, have I filled up a well? I mean, and I say, as is as somebody who 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 has whitewashed entire properties, like like I sure I should never get a security deposit back for any place that I rent because right. I don't think you could steam clean out what I do. But I don't think no. I have like like I'm uh, I'm a I'm a quantity puncher, not a quantity punch or a quality a quantity. Hey, one of your, as if I if I remember correctly, one of your uh, uh, energy saving ideas was that you, in order to cut down on lighting costs, you just completely put semen over every visible wall space of any home you've ever rented and then only have one small black light mm-hmm. that is hooked up and then all you have to do is turn that on the entire room lights up like christmas yeah and people just thought i did a lot of acid i hate drugs i don't do drugs yeah. it makes it hard to come it makes no. it hard to finish it makes it hard to do my art so no i don't but but i mean i wasn't gonna deny them if it if, it, if the fantasy of me being a an acid an lsd head uh, made them feel better mm-hmm. about them being in my masturbatorium, then who was I to take that from them? Oh, dear. And if you want to hear more about Damien's masturbatorium, go ahead and check out our Patreon. The entire world's by canvas. That's... I'm, a, I'm can... like the Banksy of come art, if you will. Spanksy? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon. You have four extra science articles every single week. Uh, by the way, sorry about the brief break we took. I had a bit of a vacation. I was pretty excited to go take. And uh, I was planning on loading up an old Patreon episode to tide you guys over for that one week break. But my vacation tended turned out to be in a place where there was no service. So I was not able to upload that up. So in order to reward you guys for sitting through with us, I will throw up an extra Patreon sometime in the next week. You'll get two episodes this week. You can look back and see what all those good Patreons get. And if you like it, once again, just go ahead and add us on Patreon. Then you get that ep- extra episode every single week. What if, uh, you know, like a lot of times in podcasts, um, in order to buy somebody a week, it kind of like helps promote everybody, you know, the the podcast ecosystem. So like if, uh, let's just say, a show wants to do uh, a take a day off. 
um, yeah. a week off, they'll have like one of the other po- co-hosts or one of the other hosts uh, podcasts just, you know, just to kind of sell it. And I'm just wanted uh-huh. to let you know that I'd be happily donate an episode of Awful Neutral. As a matter of fact, in order to accommodate your, I'd even do the Hell Fraser. I see where you're getting at, Damien. Damien, I see what you're getting at. But unfortunately, I stopped taping Degenerates a long time ago. We stopped hmm. during COVID just because of, you know that it doesn't really fit with the comedy theme of it. So like, I actually wouldn't have an extra episode to put up in the place of Science Faction. The thing is, like, like the Degenerates podcast. If anybody's ever heard of that, uh huh, like, isn't fit. It, them fighting awful neutral is like Steve Urkel fighting George St. Pierre. Like it is. Uh, Don't count yourself out so easily, Damien. I'm you sure piece you got of a shit. Joker you too. piece of shit. <laughs> you take your weak Urkel ass. Admittedly, you have yeah. a great ground game for your weight class. Uh, dear, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Article number one, new hominid in old China. Now, is this is this the red deer people? We've been, we, we, I've been teased. No, but we will talk about them because that is an interesting hominid we've talked about. That one's only a few thousand years old. I mean, I feel like it's like 10 to 15,000 years old, but, but very, very recent. Uh, and that one looks a lot more like modern homo sapiens, but it might actually be related to what we're talking about, which is why we're going to get into it. So this is super, super interesting. We've talked before about, you know, different hominid species in Asia at the time. This particular time period is 300,000 years ago. So we have Neanderthals in the West, Denisovans in the East. We have remnant uh, Homo erectus running around, including some Homo erectus descendants, like the small hobbit Homo floresiensis on the island of Flores in Indonesia, Ludosiensis in the Philippines, which is also an another hobbit species descended from Homo erectus and, you know, likely some, some remnant Homo erectus themselves running around at that time. Super, super interesting area, but there's been a series of fossil finds over the past few decades in China uh, and East Asia that, that didn't quite fit into what we knew about what was going on in there. Didn't fit into the Denisovan group. At least we don't think it did. We didn't fit into Neanderthals, didn't fit into Erectus, didn't fit into obviously modern Homo sapien, who we know was around 300,000 years ago, but only in Northern Africa, as far as we can tell. And we know that Homo sapiens made it to that area hundred some odd thousand years ago. Not by the way, the lineage that led to us because we believe all those went extinct and were then repopulated about 70,000 years ago by a different lineage of Homo sapiens out of Africa. But we had found these fossils over and over again that didn't quite fit in any category. Now, Damien mentioned the red deer people. That's a much more recent group that was about 10 to 15,000 years ago that also seemed to possibly be another species, possibly a variant of Homo sapien in the area. Uh, this is 300,000 years ago, and the a new paper out this week details a group that includes HLD-6. HLD stands for the name of the place in China where it was found, and then the, the six representing the sixth individual there. There's at least 15 different individuals that we find in this area, but this one, ha- one kind of clarifies stuff because it has a chin and skull cap and stuff like this, found in 2019, written up recently, and the issue is it doesn't quite fit within the parameters we see 
of the existing hominids we know of. It has pretty modern features of parts of the jaw, which look more like Homo sapien, but it's missing the chin, which is more like Denisovans. The skull shows mixtures of modern and more archaic features, and we don't know what this is. I mean, it, the, the reason that it's kind of surprising is some of the modern features we don't associate with anything except Homo sapien, which 300,000 years ago was just barely appearing in North Africa. That's the only, that's the earliest Homo sapiens we have, only discovered quite recently. And so how do these modern features show up in a totally different hominid in East Asia? It's a really interesting question. It might mean convergent evolution. It might mean those features showed up earlier than we realized and we just don't have a fossil record of it. And therefore earlier Homo erectus had some and it's split in between those two areas. Uh, who, who knows? But really, really interesting. And when we find out exactly what this group is and what it constituted, what its lineage is, it might have some surprises in us. Maybe these are relatives of of those eastern versions of Denisovans we've talked about before that contributed significant amounts of DNA to Papua New Guineans, who we know genetically are as diverse from western Denisovans as Denisovans themselves are from Neanderthals. Maybe this is that species. Maybe this is a relative of that species. Maybe it's a hybrid of those Denisovans and some Homo erectus or something else. We're not sure, but this is really interesting. It's been hypothesized to possibly be a total third branch, like another evolutionary offshoot of Homo erectus that shot off before the branch that became Neanderthals and Denisovans, and then therefore before the one that became us, and then rebred into both groups, giving them some sort of, you know, combined qualities. Who knows? But at this point, at least it looks like from the primary data released this week, we might have a brand new hominid species. Woo! New hominid day! That is exciting. That is good to hear. But as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of, well, what an asshole you are, to, to be frank, and how you mm. might owe somebody an apology. And by somebody, I, of course, mean the entire Chinese archaeology community, who you have regularly said spouted uh, nonsense about uh, nationalistic evolution, Chinese. Yes, multi-regionalism. Yes. Uh, however, from from the standpoint of the, like, like there are many hominids that you cannot find anywhere else that seem to be purely from China. And uh, from their perspectives, like if I'm if I'm some, if I look at myself as the long line of descendants of this red deer offshoot sure. people, all right, sure, like yes, my ancestors have mixed with some modern day humans, but we evolved here, like you. Now, you, it's really it's interesting you bring this up, Damien. I have this in my notes. This is something we're going to talk about. And you're lucky, by the way, and our and our PR person is lucky that I can't do a Chinese accent. Otherwise, we'd have a very <laughs> offensive bit for the next ten minutes. Yeah. So, well, let's try anyway. <laughs> yeah. So some of, some of the features of modern humans it doesn't have. It's got it's got some that it doesn't have, like like a modern chin and things like that, which are very Homo sapien centric. But I was going to say, indeed, Damien, you brought up two things I was going to talk about. One is, you know, the red deer people who we've talked about are a more modern group that's around in China that you know may not be part of our Homo sapien lineage, and in in, in that case, maybe they are the much later lived descendants of this very interesting, unique group. But I was going to say much I was going to give you the query, the question, which was, how is this particular story related to chemtrails? <laughs> and the answer is going to be it's one of the ways that pseudoscience 
is actually unintentionally correct. I've talked before about how chemtrails are real. They are real things. They really do impact the environment around you. Planes are shooting out shooting out stuff behind them that is incredibly dangerous to everybody around, and we all just pretend like nothing's going on. Now, the conspiracy theorist says, oh, these are chemicals, they're brain-altering chemicals. No, they're not, but they are hydrocarbons, and as we talked about before, they're one of the leading causes of greenhouse gas emissions, and because planes put out so much of those, which are indeed in those contrails that the they call chemtrails, we are watching, we are almost watching in visual space climate change happening with the release of greenhouse gases out of the back of jet engines, which are in, in drastically ruining our Earth and affecting our environment. So to some extent, the chemtrails hypothesis is absolutely real. It's just not the way pseudoscientists think of it. To the same extent, the way multiregialist ideas exist in China, where they believe, no, 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 just Chinese people just evolved here, and we live here, and we're not related to black people. That would be weird, right? Like, they they, they have those Well, it leaves. seems like they kind of gotcha. Like, it seems like, uh, like yeah, listen, they, they might not have had anything to point to. They, it was just kind of a racist gut feeling that they were operating on. Yeah. <laughs> but they were right, and you have to eat crow now. That's the law. <laughs> Old racist Chinese secret. <laughs> Confucius say, and then a long N-word. It's really terrible. I wouldn't recommend reading the, un- the unedited version of Confucius. Now, we know that that's not true for the most part, just like we know like the chemtrails thing isn't real for the most part. We know the multi-regionalist idea that it is oftentimes taught in Chinese universities isn't real for the most part because genetics show us that the people who make up modern-day Han Chinese and other people in, in China, China are part of the rest of humanity that came out of Africa, not even the original ones that we, we find Homo sapien remains in East Asia 100-some-odd thousand years ago. We know that lineage must have gone extinct because the genetics show us that the people who live in East Asia now are part of the same descendant group that came out of Africa 70 some odd thousand years ago and split off and you know occupied those areas. They are not even the original ones that went out and went extinct or the ones that went out and became the Australian uh, Aborigines. This is a totally separate, more modern group. Now, was that was that group that exited? Question is just a, just a ref- for sure. my uh, uh, lay lay reference. Was that sure. group that exited? Did they uh, did at the same time did the branch uh, did the other branch? Did any of those other branches become any of the other cultures that we know of besides, you know, like the, the group? The that one be- that came out of Africa that became... That, that populated Asia to be the, the, the modern day inhabitants. Yeah, all, that, was, that was the one that basically became all non-Africans other than Australian Aborigines and New Guinea Highlanders and stuff. So everybody, Europeans, Asian, Middle Eastern, Indian, all, Native Americans, all of them. Okay, so it's all the ones that radiated out from Turkey, like populated Asia. No, okay. no, no, before Turkey. Before okay. Turkey. That was much later. That was 10,000 years ago, Indo-Europeans. This is... Much. This is 50, 60,000 years ago. Okay, gotcha. So super interesting. Now, here's the deal, though. These things are clearly closely enough related to share some modern features and stuff. They very well could have bred into modern day East Asian populations and spread some of their genes. So it could be that what we are looking at is an archaic population that did contribute some DNA to modern East Asian populations. That's totally possible. However, the amount has to be almost negligible to not show up in our current genetic analysis. It has to be something that, you know, they have some tiny percentage, like, you know, as 
as much or less than what we see with Neanderthal or Denisovan intergression events. So something that isn't going to be... It's, Chinese people did not evolve in China. They still are part of a Racist. population that evolved out of Africa <laughs> that came out and radiated into those environments, though they may well have, you know, interbred with those groups, just like we know that Australian Aborigines and, those, and New Guinea Highlanders and those groups share a higher percentage of Eastern Denisovan DNA. That's one of the reasons we know those groups existed is because of their DNA traces that were in those groups. If there was a huge percentage of some unknown DNA in modern day people of East Asia, we would already know about it. If it's there, and I'm not doubting that it might be, if it's there, it's a tiny percentage and not something that is, you know, overall uh, indicative of the genetic legacy or history of those people. I was trying to think of other racist Confucius sayings that were uh, Confucian ah. sayings that were obviously edited out of the final version that you would read in any academic course. But like, uh, always call the authorities if dark-skinned people are at a park uh, around. <laughs> you better to be safe than sorry, Confucius say. Like something like it. It translates poorly. If you own a liquor store, make sure you're armed and pull your gun out at inopportune moments on young black teenagers who you think might be shoplifting. Yes, and like and like, there's a lot of like Confucian sayings about like really loving uh, dark-skinned wrestlers and and like uh, gimmick fights, like really funny those. Very, very interesting idea. And again, in its own way, kind of the uh, chem, possibly at least, if we find some evidence of, of uh, genetic transfer into modern day East Asian populations, has its similarities with chemtrails. All right, on to article number two. We found our long lost Uncle Mido. Yes, yeah, so you you uh, when you sent me the notes, I read that as like Uncle Mito, and I pictured like like a dirtbag Greek uncle. Hey, that's Uncle Mito. Sorry, I am on parole. I cannot. Uh, how you say? Um, uh, buy liquor. Be near school. <laughs> buy liquor for these kids. Can you do it for me, Damien? <laughs> very interesting article that indicates. <laughs> very. <laughs> Very interesting article that indicates we may have found where mitochondria comes from. Yeah, Uncle Mito comes from... Um, a very bad background. <laughs> he says he's from Spanico, but if I know he's from Baltimore. I know for a fact he was born in a Baltimore hospital. <laughs> So let's review mitochondria real quick. Basically, mitochondria are uh, are shared by all eukaryotes. So all multicelled organisms and some single-celled that are eukaryotic organisms have mitochondria. We use them as our organelles to produce energy. They are what give us energy. They are the powerhouse of the cell, as you may remember from high school biology class. Uh, they are what allow us to process ATP, and they are what allow us to produce energy within our cells. And as we've talked about many times on this show before, they are actually the result of a 1.6 to 1.8 billion, with a B, billion-year-old combination of one single celled life form and another basically there was you know some cells were hanging around one absorbed another maybe it was trying to eat it and something went wrong who knows it could be a one in a quadrillion chance and on this scale it would happen eventually it basically created an environment in which one cell was living inside the other one in a symbiotic manner in which it processed energy for that other bigger cell and that other bigger cell provided it protection and in some cases locomotion and reproduction advantages and stuff like that so we actually right now our cells are powered by the result of that 1.6 to 1.8 billion year old 
that happened. It's <laughs> true. We have enslaved it, but it's like kind of it's like how what we did for domestic animals, where it's like, yeah, we enslaved those, you know, uh, guinea fowl, but now chickens are the most populous animal on the planet, you know, and like so, like natural selection wise, they have beaten even us. Well, well, now they okay. Well, that's not. I don't know. If being a, if anything, you've like you're, you've lost the game so bad that your your opponent's dancing on your corpse, like like if it, but. But uh, you're right. It, it's uh, it's such a codependent relationship. We can't separate. Yeah. Like it, it needs it. It's it's like a reek um, a Ramsey Snow situation. Yeah, and all animals, all everything that's multicellular has this in it. Has mitochondria in it, and it's how we basically are able to do complex things because we've we've given them the job of handling all of our energy production. Complex things really, like really... podcasting. That's right. Possibly yes. the hardest profession. I think it's in the modern day. I mean, maybe the future will provide a harder profession. It even maintains its own separate genetic profile, which is why we talk a lot about mitochondria DNA, mitochondrial DNA that you inherit directly from your mother that doesn't recombine. It allows us to trace certain lineages without that recombination factor because those mitochondria maintain their own genetics over all of these 1.6 to 1.8 billion years. They have their own genes that they transfer on that you get just from your mother's side every single time. It's your own sisterhood so, of the traveling pants. It's the, the genes, yes, being it's, like the, a metaphorical gene. Yeah, ironically, they, they those were literal genes. These are metaphorical genes. Yeah, yeah a lot of these pants, they've, they've been to like Samaria, technically. Like they've they've been around for a bit. You know, as a side note, Damien, it's funny you brought up the idea of like enslaving them and then the, the correlation between them and, and domesticated animals. Because I was thinking the other day, as I, I've said before, you know, I talked on this show over and over again for, I don't know, 12, 13 years about how eating red meat is one of the most carbon intensive things you can do and how, a, you know, I believe, believed and still believe climate change is the biggest threat facing humanity. And eventually I had said that enough that the cognitive dissonance got to me and about 18 months ago or so I finally said, OK, I'm not eating red meat anymore. I, I, I morally can't justify doing this anymore. And I, I gave it up. But I've been thinking a lot about it, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to start again. But there are people who do that for climate reasons, like myself. There are people who do that for health reasons. And there are people who do it for like ethical reasons in terms of the treatment of animals. And while I get that and understand you don't want to torture animals and stuff, I was thinking to myself, you know, if you became a vegetarian because you didn't want the mistreatment of animals... That's very valid. I totally understand that. I've seen some horrible videos. I wouldn't want my name involved in that mistreatment either. However, you also have to accept that you are replacing it with a genocide of those animals. Because like, if everybody became a vegetarian tomorrow, essentially we would have to, even if we decided to take care of all the animals that are currently alive, we would stop breeding them for dairy cows, for uh, you know meat cows and stuff like that. And that would be a massive genocide of hundreds of millions of cows and chickens and pigs. It's like, you have to say their lives are so bad that it's better that they don't exist than it does that we eat them. You know what? Actually, uh, in the case of factory farming, like if it meant like ending this like animal torture, this like industrial animal torture and like and like just killing off the the and I'm not saying this is the best solution. I'm just saying. But if we did that, but, sure. all, but all the cows that came after it would never have to worry about being born in their own personal Saw movie. Like they yes. never. And I, I think that might be worth it. Now, if you're talking like the end of free range cows, then that's 
Yeah, well, listen, I don't doubt that there are some... That's what I was trying to think of in my head. I was like, I don't doubt there are some situations where it is better for this animal to have just never been born in terms of their perspective, their moral perspective and what they experience. But what I do think is there also has to be a percentage of cows or chickens or whatever that live lives that, while not perfect, are on the whole better than not existing. Like, given that, that opportunity for that animal to exist or not exist, if it was able to make a preference choice, it would choose to exist. Like you mentioned, free range cows. I bet there's even some situations in factory farming where those cows would rather be alive than not alive. Definitely. In some way, some percentage of like becoming a vegetarian, and I thought about this myself, who was doing it for different reasons, is essentially killing off those animals, like being like, no, 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 for your own good, I'm going to do a genocide. Like, listen, I mean, this is for your own good. You'll love this genocide of you and your people. I, I think if it is to stop, I don't know. To, to me, like, yes, it does seem like those situations, but I, I, it does weigh on me heavily that, like, the the insane, criminally evil torture machine we put an, currently put animals through. And, yeah, you're sure. right. It's not all animals. Certainly not all animals. And, like, um, I think that I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and give a final answer, but I will say that uh, I think ending that machine is worth something. So Sure. Totally. Absolutely. You you have to put it into perspective of like, man, we just get rid of all cows, right? Like it, uh, it's it's just it's a very interesting thought that you of unintended consequences that in order to try and be ethical, because I believe people who are choosing vegetarianism for those reasons, as somebody who's given up red meat and I miss it so goddamn much, but I can't justify it because of like huge moral issues with climate change. I respect the shit out of somebody who has done that for the the wills of an animal, which I find to be incredibly empathetic, more so than myself in, in many, many ways. I find it somewhat ironic that they might unintentionally be causing a genocide that would hurt that animal species as a whole without trying to. You know, it's just one of those unintentional consequences things. Well, I've, I was I, re- I was listening to like a guy talk about it recently and he was saying how it's 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 unsustainable no matter what. Like like hey, don't worry about this problem because it will fizzle itself out. It will there will, it will hit a wall at some point and it is just not sustainable and worst case scenario you know, it's a, it's an extinction level event that ends the ends it, but but more than likely there is a point where it just won't be profitable and and like the industry will end. Yeah, the bigger issue is how much methane you put in the air in the interim. Yeah, it'll get, after get so bad. I mean, like the uh, the Florida waters reached a hundred fucking degrees. Yeah, like, like I, I I think we're getting close. To, like once we can like p- pluck lobsters out of the fucking uh, North Atlantic in winter, I think that might be when we address it. I don't know, but. Oh, dear. So uh, really, really interesting story. So mitochondria, super, super important. And we might have found that original single cell organism that they came from, meaning the ones that got absorbed by uh, by our ancestors, single cell organism that like brought them in to make them mitochondria. So this is really, really interesting. I'm going to give you a quote from the article here. The study focused on genetic traits that enable bacteria to perform certain functions that are essential to proto-mitochondria, like making fats or mitochondrial membranes. Pause quote. They looked at those because those were necessary for the mitochondria to exist within another cell. Resume quote. Using these genetic criteria, the researchers pinpointed a type of bacteria that has not been previously suggested to descend from proto-mitochondria and that lives in conditions similar to those that would have supported life in Earth's ancient oceans. End quote. So by looking for these specific traits, which we hadn't looked for before, before we looked for things that look like mitochondria, and so this particular bacteria or this particular organism wasn't on the list. However... 
when we look for those specific traits, which we realized they needed in order to basically become mitochondria, we did find them. And we found them in a group called Loaded Mornadales Bacteria. So here's a quote. Bacteria in the order Lodemonidales met the greatest number of these genetic criteria, leading the researchers to believe that these bacteria could be closely related to proto-mitochondria. These bacteria live in a variety of places, including freshwater and ocean geothermal springs, and in an extreme environment similar to some found on Earth's oceans nearly 2 billion years ago, end quote. So this is like those, those hydrothermal vents and stuff, and places where we think early life really flourished and would be make a lot of sense if they were there. By the way, this was complicated. These genetic studies were complicated. The reason we hadn't found something that we thought might have been proto-mitochondria yet by horizontal gene transfer, which we've talked about a bunch on this show, that allows groups like bacteria to basically trade genes among living populations. Like, oh, Damien's super strong. I want his strength. I don't have to breed with Damien and have a kid. I can literally just take some of Damien's strength genes, incorporate them into myself, and now I have those and my descendants will have those. Any that type excuse of stuff. not to breed with Damien. Any excuse. <laughs> well, it, I don't have to breed with you. I could just go to, as you mentioned before, the wall of any one of the apartments you've rented, sc- take some scrapings, that's and our- now I can get your deal. <laughs> that's, 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 that's proprietary. That's a, that's a, that's a Spanxy original. <laughs> It's it's incredibly interesting because that kind of horizontal gene transfer allowed groups to basically change traits and and uh, kind of speed up evolution in really neat senses. But it also makes tracing things back very, very difficult, which is why this was a unique study to look at very specific abilities, find where those abil- abilities originated in what bacterial group, and then go from that extrapolation. Okay, well, then this bacterial group, because these abilities, which we know were necessities for early mitochondria because this group had it and broadly speaking just this group it is likely where mitochondria comes from by the way it doesn't mean our mitochondria came from modern day versions of this bacteria obviously uh just like our cells were just single cells back then the group that is now alive has evolved for 1.8 billion years but their ancestors were the ones that likely were the proto mitochondria that our ancestors absorbed into ourselves and now technically i guess they're both of our ancestors congratulations Bob, you figured out that it was uncle. You traced it all the way back to Uncle Mito, because I left mud on your couch. <laughs> I made mud on your couch. It was late night. I was tired and drunk. <laughs> Thank you, audience, for coming back. <laughs> the Science Faction Six Seventy Two, where you learned all about a possible new hominid in China. And where our mitochondria came from. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction. 673. Bobby, where is your hose? I make art on your wall. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs>